0: A few weeks ago, I visited my old college, as I told you folks a little little while back, Avondale College. I spent six years there, six of the happiest years of my life at Avondale College. And when I went back, the place, the campus was changed a great deal. A lot of things I didn't recognize. The old chapel was there. The old Avondale Chapel has been standing there since the 1890s. Same old place. Some things don't change at all. Some of the trees were the same trees when I was there. I like trees and I try to make friends of trees. A bit like Al Gore. (laughs) But I like trees. And I can remember when I was back there a few weeks ago, going back on the campus, going under those trees, and thinking of the time long time ago it seems now, when I was about to graduate from theology, that my final exams were coming up and I was completely broke. Most theology students in those days were completely broke. Have you heard the saying, what's worse, or the question, what's worse than being old and bent? You know what it is? What's worse than being old and bent? Being young and broke. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I was young and broke and I can remember going out under those trees carrying a heavy burden, wondering how can I have time to study all these all these subjects, write all this material and, and work to pay the fees. I can still remember it came like a flashback. Do you ever have a flashback? When I got under those trees, it was as though things had gone back years ago and I had a flashback and I could see the evening when I I went there and got on my knees and prayed to God and said, God, please help me with this. And I put it in God's hands and there came an assurance into my heart that took away my fears and gave me a perfect peace. The assurance was that God would supply my needs. And you can have that assurance today. You can have your fears go. And you can know in your own heart of hearts that there's a God who watches over you. That you're special in his sight. That you're not just a matter, You're not just the result of blind chance. You're not a, a cosmic accident. You're not a planetary eczema. And naught but potential fertilizer. But that you are a child of God. And one of my favorite texts from those days to this day is the text that's found in Philippians. And I'd like you to turn to Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4 is one of the most comforting chapters that I have in my, my library. Please turn with me to Philippians, the fourth chapter. And I want to read you one of the great passages, at least as far as I'm concerned, And I think as far as you're concerned too. Philippians chapter 4 verse 19. Have you got the text? These are the words of the great Saint Paul. Philippians 4 verse 19. He writes to the church and says, And my God will meet all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. Is that a promise or isn't it? You notice it doesn't say, dear folks, my God will meet all your wants most of us have got limitless wants but the bible says god will meet and supply all of our needs and so whatever your need is god has promised if you're faithful to supply that need so my topic today is the god who supplies all our needs and the theme is the great law of prosperity let me say it again the topic is the god who supplies all our needs but the theme is the great law of prosperity and when i'm talking about prosperity i'm talking about spiritual prosperity and material prosperity would you come over here with me to galatians chapter 6 and verse 7 and here we have a great fundamental law it's taught all the way through the bible but plainly enunciated in, these, in this verse. Galatians chapter 6. So glad to see you dear friends of mine here today. Galatians chapter 6 and verse 7. The Bible says, Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. And that's the great law. A man reaps what he sows. The harvest that we reap is the direct result of what we sow. This is not only true in a material sense, it's very true in a spiritual sense. Listen to this. If you sow hate in your life, you're going to get it back. Everything you sow comes back to you. If you sow deeds of hate, animosity, anger, and revenge, it's going to come back to you. It's going to come back more than what you sowed because the harvest is always more than the sowing. So what you sow comes back to you. That's going to be the harvest. If in contrast you sow love and compassion and forgiveness, it's going to come back to you too. You're going to have love and compassion and forgiveness in your life. You get what you sow in this life and in the life to come. This also works in the physical realm. When I went back to my home, when I went back to Australia, it brought back all the memories of the first church that Beverly and I really pastored by ourselves. And that was in a little town by the name of Parks. It wasn't a big park. It was named after an Englishman by the name of Sir Somebody Parks. It's just a little town of 10,000 people. I loved it then, I love it now. Just a little town, almost in the outback, a little town based upon the economy of sheep and wheat. If I could choose my heaven, it'd be a sheep and a wheat farm with about 20 inches of rain a year. And a good, good, hot, dry climate with lots of gum trees, eucalyptus trees. And 20 miles from the little town of Parks, and that's where David was born, in the Parks Hospital, great little hospital. Would you like to know about how he was born and everything that happened? Let's <laughs> ask Beverly. She was an authority there. That was the most traumatic experience of my life. I collapsed. She survived it all right. I thought, boy, there had to be a better way than this. But sort of, I'm sorry, I got over that now, but every time I see David, I think of that. Boy, what a lot of trouble he caused us. (laughs) But outside parks, there's a little town, a real little town by the name of Gnumbler. Gnumbler. It's hardly a town. If you blink your eyelids driving, you miss it. There are no bitumen roads, there's no blacktop or whatever you call it here. Just dirt roads, lots of dust, lots of crows, lots of gum trees and lots of sheep and lots of wheat. Then another 20 miles down the road, we ran crusades all through those places. Twenty miles down the road there's another little town of about 8,000 by the name of Forbes on the Lachlan River. And I can remember going out there to see Jack and Jean Neville, who also had a huge, big wheat and sheep farm. And at Gnumbla we went to see Daisy and Les Ward in that order, because she was the boss. (laughs) Does anybody here have the capacity to relate to that? Daisy and Les Ward. I can remember, we were there for a few years and we got into the swing of working with these wonderful farming people, probably the most honest, open people in the world. And we would see them go out and put in the wheat, put in the seed. We would see the planting. And then the months would go by and the rain would come if God blessed it, and sometimes they didn't have a lot of rain, but if the rain came, around this time of the year, When summer was there and the air was crackling dry and the old crows were crying out from the gum trees, then the wheat would turn into a golden brown, hundreds of square miles, thousands of square miles of it. Then I can remember, never forget it, the big Marcy Ferguson. Does anybody know that name? the Massey, Ferguson, also the international harvesters, they would go out and they would be lined up next to each other and they would roll through the fields hundreds of feet across all of those great harvesters and as they would come around there'd be big semi-trailer trucks and they would pour the wheat into the trucks. That's what is called a bumper harvest. Have you ever heard that expression? A bumper harvest. One year when we were there, the harvest was so great that they filled up every shed. And then they filled up every silo. You know these huge silos like a city in themselves. They filled up the silos. And what were they to do with the wheat? They simply found areas in the towns, in the town squares. And they put out plastic and they poured the wheat on the plastic. And the and the wheat went up like like pyramids and when it rained the wheat was so stacked that when the rain hit the wheat it would simply just run off the wheat like water off a duck's back it was a tremendous harvest because there had been a tremendous time of sowing my friend as a man sows that shall he reap I want you to hear this great truth listen to this this is a tremendous truth that's going to bless you if you sow good seed into God's field you will receive a bumper harvest let me sow it again let me say it again if you sow good seed into God's gospel field you will get a great harvest you will get in direct proportion to the amount of seed you put into the ground Now, let me show you some texts there are many people who do not understand this but i want you to understand it today please come over here with me if you don't mind to the book of proverbs chapter 3 and verse 9 and 10 i think it is proverbs chapter 3 i think it is proverbs chapter 3 and verse 9 and 10 these are the words of a very wise man proverbs chapter 3 and verse 9 and 10 and god tells us a truth here the bible says honor the lord with your wealth with the first fruits of all your crops Then your barns will will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. I want you to notice these words again. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled. How, friend? What does it say? Tell me. Be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. The Bible tells us, and this is a great spiritual law, honor the Lord, and the Lord will honor you. Never forget it. Honor the Lord, and the Lord will honor you. This is a secret of spiritual and material prosperity. Honor the Lord, and the Lord will honor you. When I was back in Australia, reminiscing, thinking about parks and the great times we had there, I thought of old Mr. Draper. I guess he was born now, because that was some years back, I guess old Mr. Draper was born more than a hundred years ago. And uh, there were pioneers out there. Australia is not as old as America. America is a new place. But Australia is much newer. It's only a couple of hundred years old when the British went there to settle that forsaken country. That land that is as big as the United States of America. But a land which is as, as remote as you can imagine. The ends of the earth. A great land with the greatest coastline and the best beaches in the world eat your heart out California (laughs) so when I was thinking of parks I thought of old Mr. Draper when he was a young man to the little town of parks probably just a thousand or so people I don't know came an evangelist and he pitched a tent and he preached the word of God and he preached Christ and young Mr. Draper just a boy accepted Jesus and he was baptized and he heard a sermon on tithing the evangelist said the tithe is holy to God and God honors those who honor him and if you want to have the spiritual and the material prosperity that your heart is seeking then you you are to pay a faithful tithe and so Mr. Draper just a boy Went out and bought a property. He had to go to the bank to buy the property. And he started paying his faithful tithe. I've heard him tell the story. So is Beverly. Old Mr. Draper is now sleeping in Jesus. So is his son. But I can remember this old patriarch of God telling how as a new Christian he purchased some area of land in the Parks District and put in wheat and decided to pay tithe and there was such a bumper harvest that it got in the newspapers and he won a prize. The best wheat crop in the whole Lachlan Valley. This old man, this young man, Became the elder of this little church. They didn't have a pastor. Churches on the whole have got too many pastors. This church didn't have a pastor. But it had a man of God and this young elder. They made him the elder. He didn't have a home in those days. The farm was miles from his home at least. He was just married and he used to live out there in a tent. Worked there up with the birds work for 12 or 14 or 15 or 16 hours straight and then when he was through and the sun had gone down in summer at 10 o'clock in the evening then he would get out his Bible and with a hurricane lantern you know what that is a hurricane lantern with the smoking wick he would study the Bible and he'd fill his mind with the promises of God and the next Sabbath he'd preach his heart out and he filled his mind with the word of God and when I first heard this old man I was amazed because he prayed when I preached once in the church I was only 22 or 23 years of age and Beverly and I were just married and he prayed and his prayer was filled with the promises of God the whole prayer was just scripture. I loved to hear him pray. And he would give his testimony of how God had blessed him. And how God had honored him. Because he honored God with the first fruits. I want you to turn over here to Second Peter chapter 1. This text made an impact upon my mind when I heard dear old... Uh, Mr. Draper read these words out of his old Bible his Bible was just about worn out I guess he'd gone through a dozen Bibles Second Peter chapter 1 verse 3 and 4 I can hear him saying these words his divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness through these he has given us his very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption in the world caused by evil desires he spoke about the great and the precious promises i want to share some of those great and precious promises with you now would you come to the words of our lord jesus come over here to luke chapter 6 and verse 38 my friend there's nothing quite like this verse Luke chapter 6 and verse 38 please turn to the passage to the words of Jesus Luke chapter 6 and verse 38 Jesus said Luke chapter 6 Want you to every person to get the text because I'm going to get you to read it with me in a moment Luke chapter 6 and verse 38 Jesus said give did you hear this Jesus said give give Jesus said give and it'll be given to you A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Now Jesus said, what I'm going to do is this. I'm going to get it all, and I'm going to shake it. You know what happens when you shake it? Settles in. So it doesn't have any air pockets. He's going to shake it, and then he's going to press it down. And it's going to be overflowing. And then he's going to take that great container of all his blessings and he's going to pour it into your lap. But Jesus said, Give. It won't happen until you learn to give. Give. And Jesus said, With the measure you give is the measure you're going to get. You see, whatever a man sows, he's going to reap. You get what you sow. Think of these words. Think of these words. They're great words. A good measure. What sort of measure? A good measure. Pressed, pressed down. Pushed down, pressed down. Shaken together. You see? Compacted, shaken together. And running over will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Running over. Most of us here in this church, most of us in the Christian church, have never tested the power of God and his promises. We live stunted lives. We miss out on the great things that God wants to give us. We never achieve anything of real consequence because we do not believe that God is waiting to bless us more than we can dream the Bible says Jesus says a good measure pressed down shaken together and running over will be poured into your lap for the measure you use it will be measured to you but before that can happen listen to me I want to look you in the eye and tell you, before that can happen, you've got to have faith in the power of God to do it. Before you can have an abundant life, know the power of God in your life, you've got to have faith. Many of us have very little faith, and therefore we see very little of the power of God. But if you have faith in God, you're going to get good measure. It's going to be more than you can understand at this moment. I want you to come to the words of Jesus, and I'm going to show you some of these great promises. Come over here to Mark chapter 9, 23, Matthew, Mark, Mark chapter 9. Please turn to these passages, passages, Mark chapter 9, and uh, verse 23, where Jesus says, Mark chapter 9, 23, If you can, said Jesus, here is the here are the words everything is possible for him who believes everything is possible for him who believes him who believes what him who believes in the word of god to the person who is doing the will of god everything is possible to the person who believes now folks starting to hear the news the three abn and the Carter report are coming together in the month of February, in fact, we start the Saturday night, the last Saturday night in January, for a great crusade here in Los Angeles. It's going to cost us, we're going to have to uplink it by satellite. We've got to buy satellite time, we've got to buy the uplink system, we've got to advertise the meetings. Right now, we are printing 600,000 large color handbills. We're doing this. We've turned to an agency here. We've consulted an advertising agency. We're going to be advertising on television right throughout this part of the world. And we'll be sending the message live right across North America. It's going to cost $630,000. Either you've got to be mad to do this or believe that there's a God who is sufficient. You see? Because if we don't believe in a God who is sufficient, who is going to come to our aid and answer our prayers, we are mad, we are presumptuous. But Jesus said all things are possible to the person who believes. And if you have faith in God and if you do the will of God, then God is going to do that which seems to ordinary people to be impossible and the world is filled with ordinary people. God is looking for extraordinary people because they have faith in him. Please come to Mark chapter eleven, twenty-four. Mark chapter 11 and verse 24. To the words of Jesus. Jesus said, Therefore I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer believe that you have received it and it will be yours Jesus said believe that you have received it and it will be yours we have a saying seeing is what? seeing is believing the Bible doesn't teach that the Bible teaches that believing is seeing the human heart the void of the Spirit of God says, I'll believe it when I see it. God says, believe it, and you'll see it. God says, believe it, and you will see it. Believing is seeing. Now, please come over now to Luke chapter 17 and verse 6, dear hearts and gentle people. Luke chapter 17. And verse 6. This is the word of God. Luke chapter 17 and verse 6. Please notice these words. Luke chapter 17 and verse 6. To these wonderful words of Jesus. Luke chapter 17 and verse 6. You ready? He replied. If you have faith as small as a mustard seed. You can say to this mulberry tree. Be uprooted and planted in the sea. And it will obey you. God can take mulberry trees God can take mountains of difficulties God can take obstacles that are towering over our heads like the Himalaya mountains and God can take them and throw them in the sea if we do his will and if we have faith I know folks have said to me, 630,000, it's impossible. No, it's nothing. It's nothing to God because God can do what God needs to do so that his word can be preached. There's a ministry that I have appreciated and loved over the years, and that's the voice of prophecy. It was led by, it's led today by a great man, Lonnie Malashenko, who was a dear friend of this ministry. We appreciate and we love him. H.M.S. Richards who started that ministry with a lot of opposition. From church people. Isn't it always true? Mm -hmm. But that great saint of God had a saying. Have faith in God. And the voice of prophecy had a slogan. Going forward in faith. Going forward in faith. H.M.S. Richards told the story that often he'd be in a committee and they'd be planning some great program and uh, somebody would say but we can't do it because we don't have the money. And HMS Richards, the patriarch of God, the prophet of God because he was speaking as God's spokesman according to 1 Corinthians 12 and 1 Corinthians 14 if you understand there what I'm saying. He would say, brethren, we need to have faith in God. And the treasurer or one of the brethren would say, well, we have faith in God, but you've got to have the money in the bank first. You see? Seeing is believing. Give us the money and we will believe. My friend, the devil has that sort of faith. But the Bible says, believing is seeing. And the voice of prophecy would go ahead and do tremendous projects led by this saint of God because they believed that nothing was impossible if we were doing the will of God. Now 3ABN and the Carter Report are planning this crusade. It starts very, very soon. We believe in the God who supplies our needs. And we believe that with God nothing will be impossible and God will answer our prayers. And we are like the voice of prophecy going forward in faith. May I say this to you? You can have faith in God because he can be trusted He is utterly reliable. In some part of the Bible it says when the people of God got into the promised land, the prophet said back there, not one of God's promises failed to come to pass. God is utterly reliable. We live in a world and in a city, Los Angeles, filled with unreliable people people who lie who cheat who steal they call them flakes God my friend is not a flake God is not a liar God never changes if he says something you can count on it if God says it you can my friend believe it Some years ago when we were going through a difficult time, somebody sent me a story about a young pastor, a young American pastor who was sent by a church out to some town in the Midwest about 100 years ago. And when the church sent him out there, the church forgot all about him. He was a young man with his wife and two or three little children. Winter came on and the young pastor had no car, but he would go knocking on doors. He did the work of a minister. Didn't sit in front of a computer. But he went out and met people and knocked on doors. And he would come back in the evenings, freezing cold. He had only a thin little coat. he was freezing, getting skinnier as the days days went by. The children became sick, the wife became sick, and they would pray, and their prayers didn't seem to touch the heart of God. and months went by. And he came in one night, and his wife said to him, "What have you decided?" She looked at his face. He'd lost hope. He'd decided to give up. It's a wonderful story. Christmas was coming on. And in the midst of their despair, when they had almost decided to give up, there came a knocking on the door on Christmas Eve. And when they went to the door, there was a a big truck there. And some men whom they knew nothing about were unloading these great big, not boxes, but crates, And the story tells how they broke open the crates and there were shoes and boots for all of the children. A new coat for him, dresses for his wife. Lots of blankets, lots and lots and lots of food. And there were boxes and boxes. And as they broke open the crates, they broke down and they wept and they cried out, God, we're sorry, we doubted you. God comes through just remember this God is reliable God is not a liar God is not a flake God is utterly reliable his promises are true let me give you a personal testimony today a personal testimony concerning the faithfulness of my God during the past few years, this ministry, some would say presumptuously, because who are we, they've said, we have embarked upon some very large gospel projects. We've run large crusades in Russia, probably the largest that that nation has seen. We've run big crusades in Moscow and Novgorod, probably four or five in Novgorod, In Kiev, where we had the largest crowds in the history of the nation and the largest baptisms in a thousand years. A crusade, a huge crusade in St. Petersburg. We hired a portion of the Trans-Siberian Express, traveled from Moscow to Vladivostok, gave out Bibles and vitamins and medicines. How can all this have been done? With the United States Air Force, we were able to do an airlift of tons and tons of medical equipment to the people of Kiev. We have built churches, paid the bills, fed pastors and their wives and their children. How much are we talking here? We're talking millions. That's what it is now. It's millions. Not hundreds of thousands. Not 630,000 such as we need for the Los Angeles crusade. We're talking millions. Where has it come from? I know my church members. I do not think that many of my church members, I do not think that any of them are millionaires. Do I know where the money has come from? Yes, I do. God. God. From the church? No. From the denomination? How much? Nothing. But where has it come? From God. God has supplied our needs. I'm here to testify to the faithfulness of God. I will be quite frank with you. Many times I've wondered how we're going to get it. Within the last few months I've wondered how we're going to get this money for this big crusade in Los Angeles. We have contacted some people. They've turned us down cold. You know why why they've turned us down cold? Because God wants to give the honor of giving to other people. That's the reason why god doesn't need your money he doesn't need mine but i need to give it where has it come from well it's come from the spirit of god moving on the hearts of ordinary people just ordinary people god loves ordinary people that's why he made so many of them the text is my god will supply all your needs i ask the question today Are the people who gave those millions of dollars for the work of God in Russia, are they now in poverty? Are the people now in poverty who gave the millions of dollars in $10 bills, $100 bills, $10,000 checks, are they in poverty? No, no, no. How do I know? Because they write me letters. (laughs) And they've told me that they are reaping bumper harvests they put good seed in and God is supplying the harvest can I read you a text over here in 2nd Corinthians 9 verses 6 to 11 I just want you folks to come up to this great standard of giving 2nd Corinthians 9 and verse 6 and onward 2nd Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 6 and onwards dear hearts and gentle people 2nd Corinthians chapter 9 verses 6 and onwards here is the law of God remember this whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly and whoever sows generously will also reap generously each man should give what he has decided in his heart to give not reluctantly or under compulsion for God loves a cheerful giver And God is able to make all grace abound to you so that in all things at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work as it is written. He is scattered abroad, his gifts to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness that is the law as a man sows that shall he reap please for a moment come back to old Mr. Draper and his tithing and how God blessed him I want to read you some texts and tithing If there's a person here today who doesn't return to God a faithful tithe, you are missing out on a blessing that God has been waiting to give you for a long time. Would you come over here to Leviticus 27, where it talks about tithing. Leviticus chapter 27, dear people. Leviticus 27, verse 30. Leviticus 27, verse 30. A tithe of everything from the land, whether grain from the soil or fruit from the trees, belongs to the Lord. It is holy to the Lord. Verse 32, the entire tithe of the herd and flock, every tenth animal that passes under the shepherd's rod, will be holy to the Lord. Now listen very carefully, so nobody misunderstands this truth. The tithe is not yours. The tithe is not mine. When you return a tithe to God, you're doing what you ought to do. It's not yours. You say, but I'm giving God a gift. I'm giving God a present. No, you're not giving God a present. You're simply giving God That which is his. And the Bible says if you hold on to that tithe you are stealing from almighty God. I'm going to read you that text in a moment. The tithe is not yours. The tithe is not mine. It is not yours or mine to debate about. It belongs to God. Now if after giving tithes you say I'm going now to give some offerings. Now, my friend, you're doing something. You're giving God a gift. The offerings that you give are the gifts that come from your heart of love. But your offerings are different to your tithes. The tithe is not ours to even discuss. It belongs to Almighty God. And the Bible teaches us that if you will sow your tithe god's tithe and your offerings into the soil of the gospel field god is going to bless you and he's going to give you so much blessing that you want a room enough to receive it let me bring you over here to a text in the book of malachi would you please would you come over here to malachi chapter three that's the last book in the old testament my dear friends malachi chapter three just before the book of matthew the last book of the Old Testament, Malachi chapter 3 and verse 6 and onwards. Please notice these words. God is talking, he says. I, the Lord, do not change, so you, O descendants of Jacob, are not destroyed. Ever since the time of your fathers, you have turned away from my decrees and have not kept them. Return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord Almighty. But you ask, how are we to return? Will a man rob God? Yet you rob me, but you ask, how do we rob you? In tithes and offerings, tithes and offerings, you are under a curse, the whole nation of you, because you are robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will not have room enough for it. I will prevent pests from devouring your crops and the vines in your fields will not cast their fruit, says the Lord Almighty. Then all nations will call you blessed for yours will be a delightful land, says the Lord Almighty. You know what tithing is? Listen carefully. Tithing is an acknowledgement of that you recognize that God is the Lord of the universe if you don't acknowledge that then you won't be interested in what I'm saying today there's a big difference my friend between a believer and an atheist an atheist doesn't believe in the sovereignty of God because he doesn't believe about God. Tithing and all this stuff, he just can't understand. He doesn't understand any of these things. But if you believe in God, then you must show your belief in God and the fact that he is God by giving him that which is his own. That is the tithe. The Bible says the person who doesn't return the tithe is under a curse because he's stealing from God. How can you be blessed if you're under a curse? My mother taught me as a little boy, 10 cents of every dollar belonged to God. We would take the money, put it aside. When my father was baptized and came, became a real Christian, he said to me, how do I pay my tithe? How do I return my tithe and my offerings? When he got too old and too sick to go to church, he would save up the tithe. And when the pastor or the elder came to visit him, he would give to the elder or the pastor his tithes and his offerings. You say, what faithfulness. My friend, should we not expect that that would be the norm? For a person who believes in God. I say, parents, teach your children to believe in God and teach them to tithe. Sow your tithe into God's field and he will bless the harvest. Who wants the blessing of God? I want the blessing of God. I want the blessing of God when God presses it down, shakes it together, and it overflows into my lap. I want the blessing of God. As a man sows, that shall he reap. Sow your money, your tithes, your offerings into the field of the gospel and God will open the heavens and pour out so much blessing that you won't have room enough to receive it Amen Now I'm going to do something You know what I like about the Bible? It tells me the truth It doesn't smooge me The Bible doesn't deceive me. Some people, you know, love a pastor who just tells them a lot of lies because they're so insecure they've got to be told they're so good when really they're so bad. The Bible says the tithe belongs to God. The Bible says if you don't return your tithe to God, you're a thief and you're under a curse. That's what it says. I never said it. You say, I don't like what the pastor said. No, you don't like what God said. Because God says it. And therefore I present to you today the way to spiritual and financial prosperity. Give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, overflowing will be poured into your lap. Are there some folks here today who would like their businesses to be blessed their income to be blessed their monthly or fortnightly, their two-weekly, bimonthly, whatever you call it, check to be blessed God can take a $4,000 check and with his blessing it'll go a lot further than a $10,000 check without it did you know that is so? it's true, it's true if you want your check your weekly paycheck to be blessed if you want your business to be blessed bill if you want your, your your nursing home out there to be blessed anybody who wants his business to be blessed so he can give more to the work of god than he's ever given before otherwise i'm not going to pray for you i'm not going to pray a selfish prayer and help you to be more selfish But if you will say to God today, God bless my business so I can bless God's work in a greater way, then come down here and kneel and I'm going to pray that God is going to bless your business and your paycheck. Now these prayers are for those who are prepared to ask for a blessing so they can put more into God's work. Kneel down, please. And we're going to pray that God is going to bless your businesses he's going to bless the work you do if you're a doctor he's going to bless you as you work on patients whatever you do but I'm not going to pray for any person that God's going to bless his business just so that he can squander it upon his own selfishness so please close your eyes our father we're down here in the front kneeling Because we want to become your partners. We want to enter into a living relationship with you. Some of us, dear Father, are a bit like Peter. We follow the Lord a long way off. But as we are here today, our Father, on our knees, we think of Jesus on the cross, who gave everything. He gave himself. He gave his own blood. Our Father, the response of a heart when he looks at the cross is to say, I can never do enough for my Jesus because I've learned to love him. Oh, God, take the old scrooge, the old skinflint out of our hearts and put in the overwhelming love of God. It's the only thing our Father is going to lift us heavenward, and that is the love of God. So, our Father, we thank you for victories. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for your goodness. We give you glory and praise. And we look forward to the excitement that's going to fill our hearts as we enter into this partnership with the person who owns the universe. We pray it in his son's name, for his sake and for his glory. Amen.